They didn't show name it, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Bird, Bird. very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Darn an unbeliever. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast broadcasting to you live from beautiful amazing picturesque studios in Crystal Lake New York. I am Keith Farrell everyone joined as always by my colleague and co-host the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas Michael Lagaris everyone. What's up everybody? Now we're blasting to you on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can reach us all over the place. iTunes, SoundCloud, this place, that place. You guys know the drill by now. What you also know is that we suffered another defeat last week, Michael. Another defeat at the hands of the Patriots. They didn't cheat this week. I don't think they had to cheat to beat us this week, but we hung in there for a while, Mike. Game was tight until about the third quarter. Probably played much better than most people thought. Played a lot better than I thought. Didn't get a big turnover. Didn't get a big swing play that I was hoping we'd get maybe if we're going to win the game. McCown didn't play that bad. Threw for 276. Threw a pick. Threw an interception. Ended up losing by a few touchdowns. Defense did play okay for most of the game. And then like a lot of games this year, towards the end of the game, they kind of folded when they were on the field a little bit too much. They gave the Patriots too many chances. Brady didn't look great to me. Sony Michelle pretty much ran the ball all over the place, though, and that kind of was one of the differences in the game. And the Jets lose another one to the hated Patriots, and we fall to 3-8, and eight, Michael. Yes, yes we do. 3-8. and eight. I expected them to come out, play hard. I thought they gave an effort, and it's kind of sad. The defense over the last five, we're on a five-game losing streak over the last five games. 28 plays that went for 20 yards or more have been given oh, by this defense. God. Can you believe that? I just want you to think Can about that's just... 28 plays. Uh, this defense has given up 20 yards or more, and 10 of them were against the Patriots on Sunday. That's disgusting. This defense is supposed to be Todd Bowles's. You know, even you know when we had Rex Ryan, at least with Rex Ryan, there were some times when you saw his defensives play at a certain level and you would see him schematically call up plays where you said, wow, they, they really did play a great game. You know, Todd Bowles, I just don't see that from him. And uh, some of the defense sometimes is able to get three and outs. Um, they were high in that regard this year going up into this game. But um, it's been very, very disappointing to see what our defenses have done and, and what what this coach is supposed to have brought to this franchise. Um, so the Patriots, it looks like in that game, they you were talking about the rushing, they rushed for 215 yards on 36 carries. Oh my God. Sony Michelle was just an absolute monster. 21 carries for 133 yards in a tee. And, and then the offense, you know, Jeremy Bates calling another. He, he had McCown drop back over 50 times. Did you know that? I know he threw for... Almost threw for 300 yards and not realize he threw the ball that many times. Oh, no. it's, it's an incredible thing um, with, with Jeremy Bates and what he's done. Uh, through, uh, if you go all the way through from week 1 to week 12, I want you to listen to these touchdown counts. Week 1, we had 4 touchdowns. Week 2, we had 1. Week 3, 2. Week 4, 1. Week 5, 4. 
and then from there on six we had two touchdowns seven we had two touchdowns eight we had one touchdown nine we had zero ten we had one and twelve we had one so outside of week one and week five we haven't scored more than two touchdowns in any game and only three of those games we even scored two touchdowns the rest of them only one touchdown by the offense so the jets have scored three touchdowns the past four games yeah. is what we're saying here michael and they've scored eight touchdowns the past six games Trash. in the new quote-unquote nfl that's garbage that's like that's not abysmal that is so horrible uh, you take away the first five games of the season, and our offense probably would be ranked last in the entire league, if you, if, you want to be, if you want to be honest about it. And this week was another week where they were able to get a few drives started, not able to finish them. They were able to get the ball in the end zone once. You know, it just seemed like, like, like uh, previous weeks, no different. We just don't have the talent level out there to match up sometimes, and we don't have explosive players that are getting separation. Uh, Noonwa had a decent first half. You know, so he he wasn't he didn't play that bad in this game. But you know, we just don't have those players. We were saying, oh, we got Elijah McGuire. Maybe he'll do something. He was nowhere. Didn't really do anything in this game. Uh, Corell didn't really do much. We got McCown out there. He's you know he's doing his best with what he has. The Jets right now, our offense is inept. The, the skill level is not amazing, and the play calling is you know it is what it is. We're used to it now. There's no point in complaining about it anymore. But um, you know, it's well, it's kind of rudimentary it's usually teams that don't have high talent levels schematically try to do something to be different or to be difficult to deal with remember when the, remember the Dolphins those years ago when they had Ronnie Brown when they just always would run the Wildcat because they had nobody on their team but scrubs yes I do and it was hard to stop them and you'd be like oh this is annoying um and I'm not saying they need to start running the Wildcat what I'm saying is that there's got to be a way we could utilize what we have better than we've been doing well, absolutely but you know Keith like you just said with Quincy Inouye, Quincy Inouye had four receptions for 73 yards, okay? And he got them all in the first half. What happened in the second half? I'll tell you what happened in the second half. Bill Belichick made adjustments, and our coach didn't. That's what happened, and that's why in the score that you see when we go through this game, how after the second half, it going into from the third and the fourth quarter, the Patriots just pulled away. They made defensive changes. Uh, guarding against Quincy and guarding against some of our receivers and then allowing, uh, you know, focusing in on their rush game and going after Leonard Williams, you know, who's kind of been struggling. And by the way, I figured a re- I figured out why Leonard Williams has been struggling uh, as of late. Have you heard about his, his ex-girlfriend, Haley Lott? No, I'm not. I'm not plugged into pop culture nearly as much as I should be. Pretty much, I just live in a sports bubble. bubble boy. So it's not a stat. Yeah. I don't know it. So please continue, Mike. Well... The uh, rumor is is that Kevin Durant stole his girl. Wow. <laughs> Kevin Durant is messing with the Jets' season is what you're telling me. That's how I interpret that. <laughs> that's, that's, KD! That's word is on the KD screen. is affecting the Jets. I always liked Durant. What are you doing to me right now, KD? Stole that girl. And Ronnie, it, does, it seems like Ronnie Lott, the father, that the Haley Lott being the daughter, he, he's okay with it. Oh wow! Maybe he wasn't feeling. Maybe he wasn't feeling Leonard. <laughs> maybe not, man. Not a lot of Jet fans are feeling me. <laughs> no, I know the big cat moniker. He definitely hasn't been a big cat. He's been more of a small house cat this year, or like a or like a feral barn cat at, at most. But not not a big cat at all. He's not a jaguar. He's not a lion. He's not a tiger. You know, not a cheetah, Mike. None of the big cats. I'm, as I mentioned to you, Mike. Oh, one of our really good friends. Me and your really good friends, James Hunt, has two awesome sons, and one of them happens to be a Patriot fan. Get cheated. 
And he was sitting right next to me at the game in our seats, surrounded by all Jets season ticket holders. He was very polite. He's a very well-mannered young man. But he was cheering for the Patriots. I did have to let him know that there is a kid jail under the stadium if you yell too loud for the wrong team that we will put him in if he got too unruly in the section because he's young enough now where he doesn't know if you're lying or not still. Uh, but it's, it's a tough spot to be put in, Mike. If you're a Jet or a Giant fan and you live in New York, my uh, Jimmy's a Jet, excuse me, our buddy's Giants. a Giant fan, yeah. uh, but his son pulls for the Patriots. And I know, it's just that to put you in a tough spot. And I was thinking, you know, my honest my honest opinion is that with me, I don't, my gosh, you know, I'm just like you, Mike. Very open-minded people and accepting, very non-judgmental. People want to live their lives, whatever they want to live them, rock yeah. ass. Doesn't bother me. If you're not bothering me, do your thing, people. I'm going to accept everyone. However, if my daughter or my son grew up and at some point I saw them veering towards being a Pats fan, oh, okay. that's when yeah, I have to go to deep mind control. Yeah. Just constant jet highlights, playing when they're <laughs> sleeping. Um, just, you know, just constant Super Bowl three. really all we got going on. Or we show them beat the Patriots, or with, with Sanchez just constantly pumping positive jet reinforcement to deter that from happening. Because I don't know if I can live with that in my life, yeah, Mike. That's just, I mean, it's sad to hear, it's really, really sad to hear that. I mean, obviously, uh, little young James, he can love whatever team he wants. It's just, it's hard. It's hard, especially with that team, you know. You know, my, my, my nephew is a Dallas Cowboy fan. I mean, he's down here in Texas, so I guess that's not really a surprise. But it hurt my brother. Yeah, my brother's a giant fan. It hurt. It hurts. There's nothing. I, but you know what? It's like it's know. like Mike. It's like if you who served our country amazingly. Your son's like that. I'm joining ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Oh my god! And you still you just your jaw drops. You're like, what do you mean, like, son? What? Like you're you're an American. Oh, you're you're an American. This is a, and he's like, no, Dad, I'm not. I'm against everything you think, and I'm going for the absolute enemy. Yeah. Oh well. Oh my God. I mean, you know, or back in like '88 or '89, you're watching Rocky Four with your friends, and he's rooting for Drago. I must break you. And you're like, what are you doing? You don't go for Drago. I mean, I mean, you go for Rocky, man. I, I force enforce, you know teaching my kids about stealing and cheating and lying and when I make my lying and cheating references I use the Patriots as a young age and I say you see that Tom Brady and that Bill Belichick you see how they lied and cheated you do not do that right and my, and exactly. my son will tell you I do not lie like the Tom Brady I do not cheat like the Patriots and I, oh, I, 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 I get a look, young look at this condition Look at this condition. Gotta make sure, you know, that never, never, never happens. That's just, oh my goodness, I couldn't even. Oh, I love it. I like what you're doing, Mike. I like it. I like where you have your. I like where your head's at. Cause that's the way to get it done when they're young. Gotta plant the seeds now, so that by the time they realize what they're into, that they're realizing all for the green team. Maybe it's too late. You can't turn back. You know, the Patriot game disappointing. Our record now is ten and three and eight. We're right around the third or fourth pick in the NFL draft after last week, which is, you know, I, I guess something that at least if the season doesn't go well, we'll have a high pick to look forward to, even though we don't have our second round pick, but we do have a high first round pick. Uh, and the rest of the rounds will be drafting right at the top of the draft, Mike. But let's get into it, guys. We haven't done this in a few weeks. We're not going to go through every single detail. Mike's not Mike's not going to break it down to the finest of fine powders, which he's done in the past. But we're going to do a little game review here. Okay. The situation, uh, 
kind of got heavy on me. On Thanksgiving Sunday, November 25th, the New York Jets hosted the New England Patriots. Both teams coming off to tough losses, having their prospective bye weeks to prepare. Josh McCown was set to make his second consecutive start for the New York Jets. Two punts to start the game. The Jets drive stalled from offensive holding on Brian Winters. Defensive stop was highlighted by a third and ten throw from Tom Brady to Rob Gronkowski, which was broken up by a tremendous hit from Jamal Adams. Did you see that? Oh my goodness. By Jamal. It was a hit and a half right there. Incredible. Gronk was on the sidelines sipping on 0-2 right after. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets get the ball back. McCown hit Herndon for 19 and a first down. Hit Crowell again for another 19 and a first. McCown then hit Curse for three yards. It was a penalty on the pass for resting the passer. This put the Jets at the New England 23-yard line. McGuire went to the le- through the left tackle for seven yards. Third and three. McCown fires to Curse. Quick snap on a third and three. McCown looking. McCown a strike. Jermaine Curse extends for the touchdown. The Jets are on the board first. Mike, right there for Jet fans on the day. That's the highlight of the day. That was it. And All right, guys. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. And uh, that's it for this week. Uh, you know where to reach us. It was short-lived. The Patriots came right back. Brady hits Gordon for 23. Brady then hits Hogan for 20 on Jermaine Johnson. On third and two, it was an incomplete to Edelman and a penalty. White was called for offensive pass interference. Now... Instead of Bowles accepting the penalty or or did not declining the penalty, then going to fourth and two, he accepted the penalty, which brought it to third and twelve, and then Brady threw a thirty-four yard touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski. Now I've seen a lot of Jet fans angry about this with Todd Bowles. Um, Tom Brady after the game said uh, that he was happy that the pe- they that. Uh, he accepted the penalty because he thought that he thought that they were going to. That's what I heard. Is that he actually said they thought they were going at that point in the game at least they're going to go for the field goal. Right. That's what Brady says. Now Bowles feels that if it was fourth and two, they would have just went for it and and you know tried to score. So he tried to say, hey, you know what? If they throw an incompletion on third and twelve, then they're not going to go for it on fourth and twelve. That was his reasoning. What do you think of that decision? Uh, well, obviously, the decision backfired and blew up right in his face. Now, in a year where well, a lot of questionable decisions by him this season, when you have those type of years, Mike, and then you make a decision like this, no one's going to give you the benefit of the doubt with the logic. You know, it doesn't, just because of your past track record, most of the things he's thought this year and his gut instinct has proven to be incorrect so many times that in this scenario, me personally, I make them go for it on fourth and two. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you a chance on third down now to put the ball up in the air again when you have all the weapons that they have. Um, obviously, ended up scoring a touchdown, but you get it to fourth and two. Even they, maybe they have a million plays. Maybe they throw the ball on fourth and two and get it. But if they don't get it, you have the ball That's back. That's true. That's true. So you know, you stop them on third down, they kick a field goal. You stop them on fourth down, you have the ball back. So that's, that's my thought process. That's why it didn't make that much sense to me. And it's just another in a long line of decisions made by Todd Bowles this year and previous years that seem to go against him in these situations. Yes, they do. And uh, you could pick out one and say, oh, <coughs> it could have gone either way. But when you have a narrative and uh, you 
see this type of behavior going on game after game after game, really there's only one person to look at, look at and that's the guy making the decision. So uh, <clears throat> After that play, there was a series of punts. The Jets' drive was stalled by back-to-back -back penalties, both on Beecham and Robbie Anderson. Patriots would go up 10-7 with a field goal highlighted by key stops on both Jamal Adams and Jordan Jenkins on Rob Gronkowski. Again, Jamal Adams is just having such a phenomenal year. So proud of that young man. McCown would soon after throw an interception before leaving the Jets on their own field goal drive to tie the tie the game up 10-10 with a 55-yard field goal kick from Jason Myers. Jason Myers is now the first NFL player to make five field goals of 55-plus yards in a single season. That is crazy. That's such a crazy stat, dude. Incredible. He, you would have thought you would have thought someone would have done that already, right? Mm -hmm. In a year, in a year of just mostly low lights, especially the past five weeks when me and you have been coming on here doing our best to entertain people this miserable time. Uh, there's one little bizarre stat and nugget we can hang our hat on. Unfortunately, it's a kicker, but that's kind of cool. It is. It is. And you know what? <laughs> I know there's not a lot of bright spots, but Jason Myers seems to be a pro bowler and he seems to be a kicker that maybe we will use going into the future. So good for him. Yeah, and a local guy too. And as we know, a Marist Red Fox, much like a good friend of the show, the big stinking Wookiee Nicholas Kronk. Please continue, yes. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> At the start of the second half, the Pats running game began to take form. Sony Michelle began to eat up huge gains for more than 40 yards on this drive alone. Pats would get a field goal out of his efforts. The Jets would turn around and get a 38 field goal kick from Jason Myers to tie the game up at 13-13 after a 12-play, 55-yard drive with four minutes to go in the third quarter. The Patriots would score two more touchdowns for the end of the game, leaving the Jets in the dust with a final score of 27-13. Bill Balinchek just made adjustments in the second half, and the Jets did not. I mean, it's as simple as that. The Jets do lack the talent, they lack the coaching, and they lack the ability to maximize on the talent that they have. Um, this game going into the fourth quarter was competitive, and I take my hat off to the Jet players for trying to fight against a team that was superior to them talent-wise. But at the end of the day, they have the better coaches, the better talent, and the results showed. Yeah, that's true, Mike. And you know what I always say is that, you know, a really good coach can get the most out of really, you know, mediocre players or say talent that's subpar. And a really bad coach can be detrimental to really good players and really good talent on teams. But if you have a really bad coach, and you have a team that doesn't have the talent. If those things are both together, Mike, uh, that's not a winning combination in any sport at all. And especially this season, uh, it's proven with many teams in the NFL to not be a great combination. The Jets being one of them, unfortunately. Todd Bowles is someone that will be definitely out of here. And a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of talk this week about potential replacements for him. So let's get right into that, Mike. Some of the guys we think might be the best candidates the top prospects out there, maybe some of the coaches that will be fired from teams at the end of this year that might actually be an upgrade for us going into 2019. Todd Bowles is a goner, as we know. Uh, Bates, Jeremy Bates, he will be history as well. Some names that also might be canned this season in the NFL. Mike McCarthy, outside Chance Harbaugh with the Ravens. Um, a few other names. None of them I really want as the coach of our team, Michael, but with some college coaches, some coordinators, Maybe some names that people don't have high on their list that you've mentioned to me that you like on the Mike Lagaris AEBG 
top prospect list. So why don't you let some of the people know, educate everybody on some of the top coaches out there, some of the most likely candidates to replace Todd Bowles in 2019. All right. So uh, I don't know if anybody got a chance to see NJ.com's uh, article in regards to the top candidates to replace Todd Bowles for in, at the New York Jets, but I thought it was a pretty good article, and I was going to reference that and talk about some of these candidates. I mean, really, they, these are all of the different offensive candidates that are all the different outlets are looking at as potential replacements. Uh, first guy I want to talk about, age 34, his name is Jim Bob Cooter. He's the Lions offensive coordinator. Kind of on the younger side, but he has two coordinator experience. He was hired by the Lions in 2014 as their quarterback's coach, and then he was promoted. So he has experience with working with a legit quarterback in Matthew Stafford. He will eventually get a chance. Um, not sure if he's the best guy for us. He does have quarterback experience, but being that you know, the Lions offense, you know, he, he's somebody to talk about. Another name that I bring up is John Harbaugh, just like you said, the Ravens head coach. He's age 56. Uh, he did win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Would Is that somebody that piques your interest if he becomes available, Keith? Well, I'll say this. One thing about Jim Bob Cooter is just based off his name alone, I'm going to have to cross him off the yeah. Um, I don't know his credentials to be that amazing. Only 34 years old, so he is a young mind in the NFL. Lions are decent enough. Uh, Stafford's progressed, but he's someone definitely to think about. But Harbaugh, I don't know. He seems like... I don't know how well Harbaugh would work in New York. I know he's won a Super Bowl, and he did it with a team that had Joe Flacco a quarterback. So that is something to hang your hat on, which I have to give him credit because, you know, Joe Flacco did play good in those playoffs, and I can't say he didn't. (laughs) Because um, he played great in, in that playoff run. And it's just like Eli played great the two years the Giants won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think Eli Manning is a much better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. But Joe Flacco is um, just like sloppy, just dumpster juice, flowing out of a dumpster on a rainy day yes. past five or six years. Crap. And he won a Super Bowl with him. So, I mean, I'll take my hat off to him. But I don't know about Harbaugh. Do you think, you know, because he's been testy sometimes. And all coaches get tested with the media. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure it's a pain in the ass to answer questions all the time over and over again, the same questions. Yeah. Do you see his personality type being a positive or a negative in New York with our media? You know, that's a good question. I'm the only coach I remember that I thought handled the New York media well was Bill Parcells. Then I can honestly give it a A plus grade. Most all coaches are not able to do well with this media, even Tom Coughlin with the Super Bowl. Well, you're leaving out your favorite coach of all time, who probably was the greatest with the media of any coach. It was Rex. Right, Rex, and you're right. The message to the rest of the league is, hey, the Jets are coming. Hey, here we come, baby. Here come the Jets. I'm confident in myself. I've walked over tougher guys going to a fight than Jared Crowder, <laughs> and that's why I say the things that I say. I never came here to kiss Bill Belichick's rings. Regardless of who we play, we think we're better than any team out there. John May, uh, I mean, you're looking at Pat Shermer right now. You Oh my Jesus! He had a meltdown this week again. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he needs to chill out, dude. God damn, he is he is wound up tight, huh? You gotta. Someone needs to get him. Someone needs to get Pat Shermer a couple edibles or something. Just get it into his system because he needs to relax a little bit, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see with John. Uh, another guy that we have up here is Eric Benemy. He's the offensive Chiefs offensive coordinator. He's 49 years old. Doesn't have a lot of play calling experience. Just one season. 
Uh, he's right now worked. He took over from Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator this season when the Bears hired Nagy as their head coach. Um, he's under the Andy Reid coaching tree. I like Andy Reid, and obviously I like the Kansas City offense. Um, he only has one year of play calling experience. Is this a guy that we could pay, maybe get? He's a new face. He's interesting. Interesting guy to talk about. Another guy to talk about is Josh McDaniels. I'll tell you right now, Keith, I want nothing to do with this man. Uh, that, I, want nothing I don't to think do with that would man. happen. I want nothing to do with this man. And I'm going to tell you why. I have one reason. He drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. I'm done. <laughs> I don't need That's enough. That is enough for me. I don't yeah. care what you're doing. You know, with Tom Brady and that offense, when you left, Tom Brady still was good. You can go coach somewhere else. Thank you very much. Um, I could talk. Yeah, that's not. And McDaniel's is the chances of that are slim to none, just considering the Patriots connections, how much uh, Bill Belichick hates us, and uh, the past with those type of things. I don't know. He's another guy. He just seems like a big D nozzle. He made a lot of mistakes out there with the Broncos and was a little arrogant about it. And, you know, he didn't do a good job out there, but he's probably learned a lot since then. But I don't. I think it's an unlikely hire for the Jets. Yeah. Another guy, David Shaw, Stanford University head coach. Shaw had some NFL experience. He was position coach in the 2000s with the Ravens and Raiders, including a quarterback's coach. Um, he's a really good assistant. Um, I don't know if he's going to want to leave Stanford. Stanford has done well. Uh, he's been at Stanford since 2007 when Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh brought him on as the offensive coordinator. Uh, he's 79-26 at Stanford, age 46. Somebody who's got that quarterback coaching and NFL experience, done well at Stanford, he's another guy. Zach Taylor, Rams quarterback coach. Um, he's really young, 35 years old, but he works under McVay. Um, he, the issue with Taylor is that he doesn't have the type of experience uh, that that you would want. He's a former yeah. quarterback from Nebraska, and uh, he's currently McVay's quarterback coach with the Rams. I'm not sure, Zach. Uh, I, I just don't see enough experience with him, to be honest. I mean, maybe someone in the future. I know he's a name that people talk about because he seems like a good offensive mind. Probably has to get a little bit more experience under his belt before he gets a head coaching position, though. Absolutely. Uh, Lincoln Riley. This guy... Perks is is a is a little bit exciting. He's 35 years old, a brilliant offensive mind in the college ranks. He helped prepare Baker Mayfield for the NFL. Um, he's been at Oklahoma, and he's 22 and three in a season plus. A lot of like, a lot to like here. His coach experience is strictly in the college ranks, so there would be risk with that. Yeah, no, I do like him though, and that's one of the guys I like. Uh. More than some of the other guys that we brought up here, and as we're going through the list, and I'm taking a look at the list here, uh, 22 and three in the college ranks. He's been very, uh, you know, his Oklahoma offenses obviously have been really good. Baker Baker Mayfield, like we said, he could be the reason for that. Yes. But even even this year, Oklahoma's offense has been really good, and they're very highly ranked. They played tremendous this year as well. So he's uh, he, just because he's 35. Um, you know, I know with some of the coordinators we mentioned, they're kind of young, but. If you've only been a coordinator for one year and you're 35, it's much different than having some head coaching experience at a high level like Oklahoma and being 35, where Lincoln Riley might be someone that could fit in uh, you know, with the Jets and be a dude who Sam can relate to, who is just fresh in the college game, 
coaching young guys, coaching guys like Sam, mm-hmm. then steps right into the NFL and tries to apply the same methods and the same things to the to the pro game now, as opposed to someone like Todd Bowles, who was a coordinator forever. He hasn't coached in the college game in a million years. I don't really know how Todd Bowles is relating to Sam Darnold, and I don't know how Todd Bowles is going to be able to get him better, but I know this guy has already coached a quarterback. That guy won the Heisman Trophy, and he's playing really good in the NFL right now. Someone drafted a couple, two spots ahead of Sam himself. Right. Um, and Baker Mayfield, so that's someone I really do like, and I'm gonna, you know, he's someone I'll keep an eye on, Mike. And if they have a chance of getting him, I really think they should go after. Him. Absolutely, he's somebody that piques my interest as well. Another guy, Mike McCarthy, that you talked about having a terrible season right now. It's unfortunate. Yeah, this is it's unfortunate. But you know, no, no, Mike. I was gonna say like they don't look like they're gonna have a great record this year. Um, and what are they? They have a losing record right now, Mike. Are they? They're four and seven and one, or four, five, six, seven yeah. and one, or four, six and one. Okay, thank you. So you know they're not having a good year this year. Rodgers is playing okay. I just don't think. To me, when I look at that team, I know they have Adams, but the running back's not that bad. They have other receivers with potential, Mike. But these aren't guys running crisp routes, super smart, intelligent, veteran receivers. These guys, a lot of times when you watch the game, they're not there where Aaron Rodgers is putting the ball. And Aaron Rodgers, you're going to go ahead and give the benefit of the doubt to that he's throwing the ball where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only thrown one interception the whole season. Yeah. You know, his completion percentage is ridiculous. So that's what I see with that team. And it's, it's just interesting they haven't gotten better really the last five, six years. They were in the playoffs for last year. They are in the playoffs all the time. But under McCarthy, they've gotten worse since they've won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's kind of like one of those deals where when a guy does win the Super Bowl, you have faith in him. And you understand they take him to the highest level and they've won that game. Yeah. But, you know, three, four years later, five years later, you're like you're looking at it and you're like, oh, have we gotten better? Are we continuing to ascend? Are we keeping ourselves at that championship level? And the Packers have not been able to do that through different moves. I think their ownership, too, sometimes baffles me because they don't really like to sign big free agents. They're more about trades, more about the draft. Uh, and I get that, but... If that's not the way you're getting your team better, then you have to explore every single option. You know, if, they, if your team's stagnant talent-wise, and you can't say they're one of the most talented teams in the league because they're really not. Uh, their defense is so-so, and they have a couple of playmakers on defense, but you know their defense isn't really anything to write home about. And on offense, they have the best quarterback in the league. They have a decent running back. They have Adams, who's a good wide receiver. Um, they're still searching for answers on offense, too. So that all, to me, considering how good Rodgers is, Falls at the feet of Mike McCarthy. No, it does. And and uh, the thing is, and all those points are absolutely valid. Totally agree. Um, the only thing I'll say is that we have seen a change in address help some coaches that reached the pinnacle and then were on a denouement uh, decline, and, like a Andy Reid in Philadelphia. And then ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs, and now is having success again. So maybe he's somebody that can do that. But again, when you have an Aaron Rodgers, see, Andy Reid didn't have Aaron Rodgers. He had an old Donovan McNabb, and then went to Michael Vick, and whatever. He has arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. And for you to have that piece already checked, not able to get your team to rally around that and stay consistently good uh, like the Patriots, like the Saints. Um, that may speak to his coaching, so I'm not sure if I really would want to go down that road with him, to be honest with you. Yeah, and you know, it's and it's like all these other NFL franchises and coaches that had those linchpin, really amazing quarterbacks. Mike Tomlin with Ben Roethlisberger and Bill Belichick with Tom Brady. Peyton down there with Drew Brees. 
these teams, and I'm not saying all, obviously the Patriots are always kind of getting deep into the playoffs there, but they're in contention every single year. They don't have years where they're four and seven, four and six. Uh, they missed the playoffs last year, the Pack, and we're not that good. And it seems like they're always trying to surround those quarterbacks with as much talent as humanly possible. And I just don't see that in Green Bay. Right. And one of the guys that you said, Drew Brees, Drew Brees has Sean Payton. And Sean Payton, since 2009, has had a man named Pete Carmichael, the Saints offensive coordinator. Carmichael actually started off as the quarterback's coach for the Saints. And uh, he's now 47 years old. He's been working under Payton, uh, Sean Payton's off offensive coordinator since 2009. This guy, like we were just talking about with McCarthy, McCarthy's team has been going down. The Saints have were a Super Bowl team. They dropped a little bit, and now they're back, being very competitive. And we know that the Saints' offense is tremendous. This guy, Pete Carmichael, this guy looks seems legit to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he, it's interesting how long he's been there yes, in New Orleans. Yes. And how good that offense has been. What's going on there? That's, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know if other teams have asked to speak to him and Peyton put the kibosh in. It seems like somebody's 47 years old, uh, been there since 2009. The offense is always ranked in the top 10 or in the top 5. Obviously, Drew Brees being there does help. But personnel around Drew Brees over these last 8, 9 years, that's changed a lot. And they always seem to keep themselves as one of the most innovative offenses. When you watch them play... You know, this is an example of a team that's the antithesis of our team. When you watch the Saints play, they have a ton of talent, and they have a ton of different schemes and ways they attack yes. you. So they're really hard to game plan for. Yes. And you know, if you just implement just implement the same type of thought process to our team, maybe you started. You say you do it next week with a team like ours. It doesn't have a high talent level, but we have a bunch of different ways we're going to try to go about getting yards. Just give people more stuff to think about. And it seems like after the Saints do, there's a lot on your plate when you play the Saints. And if he's responsible for that, and he's someone that is an offensive mind that could help Sam, like I mentioned earlier with Lincoln Riley, you know, I'd, be, I'd be more than welcome to have him come be the Jets coach and you know try to get this offense on the right track and get Sam to where he needs to be to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. Yes, it seems like Pete would be somebody who could, tutel, could really mentor and give great tutelage to young Sam Darnold. Um, I'll tell you this, that you know, Carmichael is part of a system that has a great quarterback and is able to create schemes to gain success. When I'm gonna tell you the most one of the most controversial players in the NFL's history is a quarterback named Colin Kaepernick. Very controversial. Uh, we could talk about his play on the field or other uh, activities that he was a part of, but that quarterback was successful at a time. He actually played in a Super Bowl. And do you know who his coach was? Jim Harbaugh, University of Michigan. <laughs> this dude the other Harbaugh. is a guy who took a franchise that was nothing in the 49ers at the time, turned them into a Super Bowl contender. They were one of the best teams in the league for three, almost three years in a row. They were just phenomenal and the thing about Jim Keith that I want to discuss with you is that if you're gonna hire Jim Harbaugh you have to fire Mike McFadden and you got to get another GM in here that's not going to really be making decisions because when you hire a guy like Jim Harbaugh you just hand him the keys here here's the keys 
you run the show, like Bill Parcells. Here, you buy the groceries, you coach the team. That's the type of cat he is. He's not a dude that, you know, likes to take orders or listen to other people. He likes to, that's why he's in Michigan right now. He's pretty much runs the entire program. Yeah, and this year they've, you know, only two losses on the resume this year, but the two losses they have are against the two best teams they played. And they haven't been able to get over the hump versus Ohio State. What does that really mean to me? To the Jets, not that much. And he's, everywhere he's gone, he's won. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has a track record. Everywhere he's gone, he's done pretty well. Um, and he's not somebody that obvious. He's obviously somebody that thinks outside the box. Jim Harbaugh. He lives outside the box. You so when he was a quarterback for the Colts and he threw that Hail Mary pass <laughs> against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it was against the Steelers. I remember that. I also remember him uh, as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears beating the Jets on Monday Night Football. And my dad, uh, they got a new TV, but it was a mini TV. I, mean, I think my dad hit it with like a karate chop <laughs> TV. Or <laughs> some type of some type of quick quick blast, and uh, there was the TV. And that's the first time I really remember hearing Jim Harbaugh's name, yeah. uh, with the with curses attached to it in front of it. But he's an interesting guy to think about, Mike. He would be in New York. His personality oh. that's that's very interesting. Oh, he, you know that'd be that'd be Sam very Darnold interesting. And Jamal Adams, all them, they wouldn't have to worry because he would be the Jets. He would take the whole. Yep. He he he's one of those personalities. So he's somebody. Really, you know, you can look at another guy, Matt LaFleur, the Titans offensive coordinator, has experience as a quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator in the NFL. He was McVay's offensive coordinator last season, but didn't call the plays. This season in Tennessee, LaFleur was calling all the plays. He previously was Matt Ryan's position coach with the Falcons. Doesn't have a ton of coordinator experience, obviously, but uh, has a good reputation. Um, and LaFour would probably jump at the chance to be the Jets head coach at 39. And then the last guy to talk about is John DeFilippo, the Vikings offensive coordinator, age 40. No head coaching experience. Nothing wrong with that. He has a long history of working with quarterbacks dating back to 2007 with the Raiders. He was with the Jets quarterback yeah, I was gonna say. in 2009. This is before Sanchez. He is, or no, this 2009 was Sanchez's rookie year, right? First year, yep. Ah, okay. So, there's that. He is uh, year one as the Vikings coordinator, offensive coordinator, after being Carson Wentz's position coach the past few years. Uh, has an impressive resume, a history of developing quarterbacks just two seasons, including this year uh, as NFL coordinator. Could be convinced to come back to be the head coach. Has some jet experience. Yeah, that would be an interesting guy to bring back, and I, that's a, kind of the buzz name you hear around a lot, Mike. Is D. Filippo, uh, the Vikings offense has been pretty decent this year. Kirk Cousins is you know making it work there, and especially recently, uh, they've been humming even better. This is his first year as a coordinator, like you said, but he's has experience with Wentz. He's somebody that has already been with the organization. Seems like a sharp dude, only forty years old, and it's just he's kind of in the mold of the guy me and you are looking for. You know, all these guys are offensive names here, but I don't want. I really would rather have a guy like a guy like DeFilippo, um, you know, bringing a guy like Carmichael, bringing a guy like Lincoln Riley, somebody that's not a retread. That's kind of what yeah, I that's want. That's what I want as well. The only thing that bothers me about DeFilippo is Sanchez was under him and. He didn't do anything. He's worth it. I don't like that. I, I, no, I understand that, but I mean, how much are you going to blame that on him? I know. I mean, I, I mean, the Jets ran the ball 85% of the time, Sanchez's rookie year. So, I mean, some of his limitations he had were kind of masked his rookie year. 
and he played a little better second year, third year was whatever, and then we know how his career went, but uh, Mark Sanchez was never somebody, he was always careless with the ball, even in college he was careless with the ball, his first couple years with the Jets he was careless with the ball, and throughout his career he was. Yeah. I'm not going to really put that on his shoulders. Maybe, maybe he got him to play even better than he would have. You never know. Yeah, no, you're right. But I he's do know that those are a lot of... You're right. He was the quarterback's coach, not the offensive coordinator. Yeah, and, you know, those are those are a lot of good guys. And I'm, I hope he, you know, hope he educated some of the Jet fans out there. Those are some names you're going to be hearing bandied about next season. Some of those guys might get hired to some other NFL teams next year. So if they do, you know a little bit about them now. And get someone in here, Mike. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's any of these names. Someone we don't know about. Someone we never heard about. Somebody coaching in the Canadian Football League. I don't guy, care who it is, Mike. Guy, All yeah. I care is they get the guy that is going to help Sam be as good as he possibly can be, reach his full potential, and we just get this offense humming in a way that's more you know, more conducive to the 2018 style of NFL football, not the 1985 style of NFL football. Who's your favorite of these guys we were talking about? I mean, of all the dudes we mentioned here, uh, when I was going through it, looking at the stats, I really like Lincoln Riley a lot. But if I had to pick one guy, I'd probably pick Carmichael from the Saints. That's exactly Just who. with the experience, <laughs> with the Super Bowl under the belt, uh, with all he's been able to do. And he's down there with Peyton and Breeze. And it just seems like, you know, Sean Payton's kind of an offensive guru down there. If this is someone that's been as offensive coordinators and been working side-by-side side with him bringing that knowledge and everything they've done there to the Jets, to our young quarterback, I think that would be tremendous. I would, that's my pick, and that's the guy that I would, number one, that's the, when I first saw this list, I said, you know what, if we could get anybody, it would be Pete Carmichael in a normal world, but if I could seriously have anybody on this list, it would be Jim Harbaugh. I just don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to, we can get him. I think that's impossible to happen, but if my you gave me my choice of what I could have. Fire McCagnin, or fine, keep McCagnin. Give all control to Jim Harbaugh and let him take the entire franchise and go. Wow. I believe, I that, believe is... that guy is a, he's like a Parcells, that to me. That's the type of lead. He's a leader. He's a he's that type of dude that will change the culture of the team and immediately. And you saw when 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 uh, Bill Parcells came to the Jets. We were as bad as we were under Rich Kotite, and we did an immediate 360 when we got there. That's the type of coach I think Jim Harbaugh is. You're right, you're right. And I'm just, I, Jim Harbaugh, it'd be hard for me to wrap my mind around that right now, thinking about him being our coach. I know. You know, in other facets of life, he's annoyed me. Sometimes he doesn't annoy me, and I think he's just, just nuts. <laughs> you know, and just, uh, he just, but he does love football. And it's someone that you know, at least on the sideline as you're watching the game, <laughs> yeah. is going to show some emotion. Mike. He told his players not to eat chicken before the game because it's a nervous bird. Yeah, he's just making up his own science, basically. Thinks outside the box. He says he sleeps over, uh, you know, recruits houses and wakes up in the morning and he's <laughs> making breakfast for the family and stuff. Like he's he's a weird dude. He's an odd duck, and he, he you know he's someone that might he might fit in New York, and he definitely is somebody that would be a controversial hire, I think, for a lot of different reasons. But uh. You know, Jim Harbaugh, that's your number one guy. All right, that's pretty good, Michael. I, I, I could deal with Harbaugh if they brought him in. Yeah. yeah, so that's you know that's the list of the coaches that are going to be talking about next year, as we said. But before next year comes, we got a few more games left on the schedule here, Mike. And the next one up on the docket is against the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. Let's get it. Hey, Titans. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Week 13. 
Jets. Titans. So the Tennessee Titans coming in 5-6 and six off a loss last week. They got spanked by the Houston Texans. Houston, by the way, has been looking great this year. Uh, didn't start off that well, Mike, but they have been on a roll the last two months. Deshaun Watson, Hopkins, Lamar Miller, and those boys down there. Now they got Demarius Thomas. They're looking pretty good, but uh, Titans, 5-6, and six, Mike. Offense does not put a lot of points on the board here for the Titans. Uh, we're talking about the 30th ranked offense in the league yardage wise passing yards only thir- uh, only about 190 a game and rushing yards are about 111 uh 29th overall in points Mike 17.7 as we know Mariota just just like Jameis Winston but I think to even more of a degree Mariota's been a bit of a disappointment down there for these guys uh nine touchdowns on the season six interceptions he plays a good game he plays a bad game he plays a good game he plays a bad game he's inconsistent he's been inconsistent his entire career so maybe we'll get the good version of him next week since he wasn't that great last week. We'll see what happens with that, Mike. Uh, the running game this year, I think Derrick Henry's been a massive disappointment for them. Only averaging 3.7 a clip, 434 yards on the season. Deion Lewis only averaging 3.3 a clip. So neither of those guys have been able to get it done. So they might be still looking for a running back next year. Uh, their offensive line has been so-so. Uh, Points-wise, they only give up 20 points a game. So that's sixth in the NFL. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, they're 10th in yards, and it comes to passing their 8th, rushing yards 17th. So, uh, their defense is pretty good. Offense, not so much. Not a team that really scares you. Obviously, they're still better than the Jets because of the state that we're in. But, but, Mike, but, with Sam Darno, as we know, sitting out once again this week, we have Josh McCown at the helm. Threw for 276 last week, a touchdown and interception. Uh, the offense with him has not looked good at all. Didn't look good with Sam the previous two weeks also. I think there's a way, shape, or form versus this team. They might be able to squeak out a W here. Mike, this is not the Patriots. This is not. We're not going against a, a, you know, um, a juggernaut here in the Titans. Now, we got whooped by the Bills. So, as we know, we can lose to any team in the NFL right now, considering that's a fact. But... Titans don't scare me. Their offense is putrid. I think we can hang in the game. I think this could be a close one. And I think the Jets definitely have a chance of winning this game this weekend. Yeah. The team doesn't really scare you. The defense is pretty decent, like you said. They're 10th in yards uh, in the league, which is not bad. Our offense, I'm going to tell you something. Um, with with McCown in, at the helm, Darnold was a better, more productive quarterback than McCown has been. Be honest with you, the, the Jet offense just doesn't look good at all. I mean, I give, I say Jeremy Bates really is the biggest issue with that, but at least Darnold was throwing touchdowns and getting us into the red zone more. With McCown, it's three and outs, three and outs. You know, getting to the fifty, he doesn't really push the ball downfield as much, and it, you know, I I kind of wonder how this offense is going to play against a defense that is probably better than most. Um, <clears throat> defensively, you, I think that the Titans running backs are jabron, so I think holding them, their running game in check will not be a, an issue. Um, Mariota can hit Corey Davis and uh, Tyler, uh, Sharp and uh, Tywan Taylor are all pretty decent young receivers. So our secondary will have to step up there. We could win this game, but I I honestly don't think they're going to win another game for the rest of the year. I, I just, I'm so, maybe it's just I'm depressed or maybe I'm just down. I just, I feel like what I've seen out of the Jets over the last five games is a team that's given up 
a team that stopped really working hard, a team that lacks talent. And I think they're going to end up with, you know, picking third or fourth or second in the draft. Oh, Michael, you know, I don't want to agree with that. I don't want that to be the reality that we're living in right now as Jet fans, where we just lose all the rest of the games this whole season. But when you look at the schedule here, we have a Titans coming up this weekend. After that, we play the Bills in Buffalo. After that, we play the Texans at home, the winners of eight in a row. After that, we uh, we host Aaron Rodgers again the next week after that at home. And then we finish up the season against the Patriots. So if we're going to get a W, it's probably going to be one of these next two weeks. The Bills decimated us last time we played them, so you can't you can't count that as a W. Yeah. And the Titans game this week might be our best chance at one, yeah. if you really think about it. Yeah. So if we don't win this game this week... The reality is you might be right. Maybe we do lose the rest of the games this season, even though hopefully they play hard and try to fight and we make it close. Because, uh, I mean, last week, they, at least they hung in the game, Mike. They ended up losing by two touchdowns, but they hung in there for a little while. To the uh, and They actually played much better than I thought. I had the lead there for right at the beginning. At least put a scare in some of these Patriot fans around me. Yeah. So another amazing edition of the AEBG podcast in the books. Hopefully we entertain everyone. I know it's been a tough time, a tough run. We've been trying to keep you guys entertained. Not not any high points the last month and a week. Last five weeks have been really tough for us, Mike. The bye week was probably the only week we got a nice little respite to chill out because we didn't even play that week. Yeah. We didn't get beat up that one week at least. But we're Jet fans. We love the team. We'll be here ride or die, win or lose. It's not easy being green, and we all know that. And I want to thank everybody for listening this week. Thank everybody for supporting us, tweeting at us hitting play, telling your friends about us, liking us on Facebook. We do appreciate it. If anybody wants to do any of those things, Mike, or talk to me or you or the interns or the amazing producer of our show, how do they do that? Well, they should know that we're hosted on the Elite Sports Network. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man. ABG 20th episode in the books. We'll get at you guys next week. Peace out. Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Bird, Bird. very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Y'all feel. Don't want an unbeliever.